The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game, the show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I am joined this week by one spooky co-host, Nate Heininger. (laughs) And uh, this week, we are doing our annual, uh, in quotes, horror game for the spooky season. Yeah. We're talking about Devotion from uh, developer Red Candle Games. Reagan, I've got my pumpkin beer here. I've spent a good majority of my day today playing this game. I am spooked out of my mind. But before we go any further, something has happened in between the last record and this record. Reagan, happy birthday. Shane's not oh. on the Shane's not on the call. <laughs> Thank you. Happy birthday to Shane. I just gotta get the fun stuff out of the way before we descend into the like fucked up <laughs> game that we just played this yes this was... we descend into the basement full of uh wine and snake blood this was uh, let's <laughs> awful <laughs> and not it's a good game get that it's out a, but th- yeah this was it's, awful. it's, a, it's a distressing game <laughs> yes. it is a very yeah it, yeah i'm not bad. even gonna say it was a good game this was not fun <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Nate. I, no, you're right. It's not fun, but there is a difference between fun and good. I think it's a really, really good game, but uh, we can talk about the specifics there. I, I need to set. I, 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 I'm going to set two things up real quick before I talk about my feelings about this game because it is. This is a good game, and I'm glad that it exists and I played it. But I'm not a horror fan, and I'm not like point and click like walking around adventure games so this was like a perfect venn diagram of like things that i don't generally like yeah also you had some technical trouble i did i did have yeah yeah. and and that's not the game's fault so i'm not gonna harp on that that was more me running it it's a it's a very beautiful game uh and you can tell they put a lot of work into the design but like this game is like a Venn diagram of things that I should not have liked. And ultimately I've got generally good things to say about it. So I'm glad that we, that we played it. It's, it's a very interesting game and I uh, never want to play it again, but I'm, I'm, (laughs) uh, I'm glad that we did for this show. So why don't you set it up? It's got an interesting history. It's an interesting game. Why don't you set it up a little bit? Yeah. So, um, so we've mentioned on the show before that we we always shoot for trying to do a horror game in the month of October uh, as close as close to Halloween as possible. And uh, that almost never lines up for a variety of reasons. <laughs> we end up doing our horror games in like June. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but this year we you know I, I've really, really been wanting to play this specific game. Uh, Devotion is a game from, I mentioned earlier, Red Candle Games. They're a, a Taiwanese uh, indie video game developer. It's a team of about 12 developers, I believe, or 12, 12 people. And um, uh, this is a first-person, they call it an atmospheric horror game. Uh, so it's very much inspired by, you know, quote-unquote walking simulator-style games, um, things like PT. PT, I think, is a big uh, a big influence here. Um, what Remains of Edith... They, they specifically called out What Remains of Edith Finch and Layers of Fear. Um, 
so first person horror storytelling stuff. This is very much um, story first. It's not like a survival horror game. Uh, you're you're very rarely uh, in there's there's only really one sequence in which you're in any actual peril. It's mostly about exploring a space. So this is a game that's set in 1980s Taiwan. It centers around this family of three, uh, a father, Du Feng Yu, and uh, who's a, a script writer, screen, screenwriter, um, his wife, Li Feng, who is a, a movie star and singer uh, who has retired from the business in order to become a, a wife and mother, uh, and their very sweet little daughter, Mei Xin. Um, and they live together in this fairly small apartment uh, in Taipei, and uh so you are exploring the it's it, in the in the sort of PT style. This game is very restricted in terms of space. It's almost entirely happening in this one uh, 1980s apartment, but it has this sort of um, uh, it, it, it feels much larger than that because you have uh, uh, scenes that take place outside of the apartment in terms of, uh, of like you know hallways, but also sort of alternate or or horror inflected bizarre spaces as well as taking place across time so this game is set between 1980 and 1986 and you see basically three versions of the apartment across those uh, those years um, so it's sort of uh, gradual it's a space that's gradually shifting into you know into hell into into a nightmare well and it also has a um an element of like very light puzzling where mm-hmm. it, you are picking up item a to put it into slot B and slot B might be right around the corner. It might be in another time. Um, and that's what mm-hmm. a lot of the main gameplay loop is looking for these items, interacting with things and moving them around. And that's the stuff that I generally don't really like in games and you mentioned like edith finch is one of my favorite games that we've covered on the show yeah or i was very much reminded of um gone home like gone this home. feels like a like a significantly more horror inflected gone home and gone home doesn't have these little like micro puzzles and these like pick things up put them back down pick things up put them back. you know that's almost strictly exploration and while i said i don't normally like that uh that like gameplay mechanic because this game existed or the whole thing takes place in such a small space. I actually found myself enjoying it. I thought that was like a good use of the space. It, it, it was, you were never too far away from where, you know, slot B was going to should have been. And like, it wouldn't take too long to find that spot. And it was usually pretty obvious. So I, I thought it actually did a good job of forcing you to move around and explore these places. And talking a little bit about the the development of this game, because um, the the this sort of development story and release story of this game is very fraught and interesting. Um, so this this was from this team, uh, Red Candle Games. This is their second game. Their first game was a huge success. It was called uh, Detention, and it was it was a twenty seventeen game. It's actually two D, not three D. Oh, there's actually a two D section uh, in this game that yeah. kind of echoes back to Detention, uh, but. Uh, Detention was this extremely well-regarded 2017 horror game that I think is set. I have not played that one yet. It's set in a school, I believe, and it's also in Taiwan, but it's in the 1960s during what's called the White Terror period, um, which uh, is a very troubled and scary period in in the political and uh, and social history of Taiwan. Um, 
Uh, it's a very, it was a very popular game. Uh, it's out on everything. It's you know it's on Nintendo Switch, for example. Like it's a, it, it you know it's it was released on a bunch of consoles and things. Um, and it was popular enough to get a movie adaptation in 2019. Uh, so you know it's it, you know it's it's a pretty well regarded game. Um, this game was their second game. This was their their move into 3D. The team had to learn uh, Unity 3D to create this game. And uh, their goals were kind of different. So uh, the first game, uh, Detention, was very political. It's about this this you know horrifying period in the political history of um, of Taiwan. Uh, this game is more about uh, religious fanaticism and the sort of way that a family. So it's you know it's about this family falling apart for a bunch of reasons, but in very large part uh, due to the. Uh, so I, I without without getting into spoilers, we are going to have a big spoiler break <laughs> yeah. on this. But you know, it's I think it's pretty obvious this game is a game about a family falling apart. Uh, if you look at anything related to the game, um, and they're falling apart for a variety of reasons, including uh, health and mental health and religious fanaticism. Uh, and it's um, it, it's it's a really interesting sort of picture into. Taiwanese culture. That's an explicit goal of the game. The developers really wanted, they said that they, they wanted to introduce players, uh, domestic and foreign players to, uh, to Taiwanese culture. They wanted to have a setting that would feel familiar to Taiwanese players, but that would, you know, have something that could bring in, um, players from, uh, you know, Red Candle's probably biggest market, uh, is mainland China, but of course they've got, they've got a, you know, they had a player base all over the world because of the success of their previous game. Uh, one of the things that um, one of their developers said in an interview uh, last year was um, from the very beginning, one of our goals was to attract foreign players to experience our games. And our attempt to achieve that was to combine both Taiwanese elements and horror, uh, making the game scary by utilizing people's fear towards unknown culture and objects. We figured it may help our contents stand out from other games on the market. Um, so, and I think they were very, very successful at that. Like the game has this, because, you know, coming from a, uh, like a white person in America perspective um, and not knowing a ton about Taiwanese culture, it felt very, you know, it, it did have a sort of foreign scariness to me um, because of course <laughs> it's relying on all this, the like, horror imagery, um, but also it had this sort of like really feels like a real uh, cultural place and space. Um, and uh, uh, it was, it's, it, they did such a careful and, you know, loving job of sort of recreating uh, uh, you know, authentic Taiwanese eighties, uh, spaces that um, one of the things I saw when I was doing some research about this game was that there was in the few weeks after the game's release, there was a, a meme on the Taiwanese internet where folks were posting uh, photos of the game side by side with photos of their grandparents' apartments. Uh, <laughs> nice. And I, I looked at some of these tweets and stuff and I can tell you like identical like this yeah. was the floor that the, you know that you'd find in 80s taiwanese apartments the door the sculptures yeah we uh, we also had a uh we also had a spooky clock <laughs> <laughs> my grandma had this horrible bathroom <laughs> yeah oh god yeah the the tiling in the bathroom is wild um yeah i think that's really interesting and you know i think also the game takes place in the 80s so i would be interested to see like what elements of that Taiwanese culture still exist. There's some heavy hitting pieces around things like gender roles and, and family dynamics that like also feel 
like they existed in America as well, um, you know, and, and different cultures and subcultures are still dealing with that. Um, I, I thought that was a really interesting element of the game as well. Yeah. And then the spaces are just like chock full of stuff. Um, there are, you know, <laughs> yeah. objects that you can pick up that are part of puzzles. And uh, a lot of things will give you like, you know, if it's a pick upable item um, or certain things like posters on walls, you can sometimes get a English translation. But there's a ton of documents and, you know, uh, papers on on desks, uh, things on walls, wall calendars, uh, you know, family photo albums. There's a lot of writing in this game that obviously I couldn't read. Um, so I kind of got the feeling that like this would be like uh, like walking through the the house in Gone Home yeah. uh, or more more like that if you were able to read the the text. But it does it does give you translations of like a lot of the important stuff. I really wish that I was able to read everything that was on the walls and on the desks. I think uh, I had the same thought about Gone Home. Um, also, what I thought was really cool is that there is like video like in the game of, you mm-hmm. know, there's a, there's a TV set and it is playing TV shows and they have that distinctly, you know, of the time vibe. And uh, and the developers had to hire actors and film that stuff. You know, yeah, it's a, real. Uh, it's it's real yeah. footage on a TV that is, you know, in a 3D rendered space. It's it was, it was actually a pretty shocking, um, you know, balance that I, I, I thought like added to this overall creepy vibe of of the game there's a lot of um besides the tv there's like photos and things that are just real photos um that look really good and the game looks so good that there's a little bit of like an uncanny valley of element to it that i think just adds to the whole vibe of of creepiness yeah uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about the um, the sort of controversy around the release of this game, which is uh, in you know no, not a small part of why I played it. Um, you know, when this game first came out, uh, it came out in 2019. Um, it came out. Oh, what was the date? Um, uh, well, I, I had it here, but I don't seem to anymore. But it was around February of 2019, uh, and it got incredibly good reviews. You know, it was it was from a, a developer that that people you know liked from their previous work, and so this got reviewed in a lot of mainstream publications all over the world. I remember reading um, an article about it by I think it was Dan, I think it was Danielle Riendo over at I think it might have been uh, Vice at the time. That I was like, wow, this sounds amazing, and I may be misremembering that, but I, you know, in in uh, in you know, looking up stuff about this game, I went back and reread some of those contemporary reviews from 2019 when the game first came out, and they're all glowing, lots of 9.5s out of 10, and that kind of thing. Um, people really, really liked this game, and I immediately thought, this sounds like it's going to be for the show, right? So I was excited yeah. to play it, but I missed my shot because very shortly after, like less than or about two weeks after the release of the game. And here, by the way, I want to put forward that I am by no means an expert on uh, Taiwan or China <laughs> or cross-strait relations. Um, uh, and I'm also, uh, you know, I'm uh, doing my best to represent this uh, accurately and fairly based on what I've read about it. Um, if anybody has any feelings about anything that I say, I'm, I'm absolutely willing to listen. Here's, here's what <laughs> I take from what I have read about this tr- truly unprecedented and bizarre situation around the release of this game. So extremely well-received game gets great reviews, 
does well all over the world, has a big audience in China and in Taiwan. And, you know, uh, in, in America, people are playing this game. Uh, it's doing well on Steam, overwhelmingly positive reviews in the Steam reviews. And at some point, about two weeks after release, uh, players discover a art asset in the game. Uh, this game is full of these religious talismans, these sort of paper talismans. Uh, that have these like Chinese characters and uh, and and little like line drawing illustrations on them, and they discover one of these talismans in the game somewhere that has a reference to the uh, uh, Xi Jinping Winnie the Pooh meme. If that doesn't sound familiar to you, uh, a, a few years ago. Uh, there was a meme on the Chinese internet that has since bled out onto the American internet. So it's something I was familiar <laughs> with as well. Um, comparing uh, Xi Jinping, uh, who's one of who's a uh, high-ranking uh, Communist Party official. I forget what his um, uh, what his um, oh he's a general secretary at the time, at least. Comparing him to Winnie the Pooh, basically <laughs> saying he's a fat, pudgy little man, um, which is like the most like light meme yeah. ever right like but in china this is deadly serious um this is so you know if, if you're not aware this is like a this is something that the chinese communist party took absolutely extreme exception to all sorts of fallout happened from this meme um you know you if you type you know winnie the pooh into anything on the chinese internet somebody's going to show up on your door at your door um they've done they've done things like prevent the um uh the christopher robin movie and any other you know, um, uh, poo-related movies from coming out in China since. Um, it's a great, it's a great example of the Streisand effect. By the way, they, it really they, is. They've only made Although, it. That's worth. the thing. The Streisand effect, I don't think exists in China, man. Like the Chinese, yeah. like China has a really good way of erasing things from the internet. Um, and so there's this reference to this meme in the game, um, and so Chinese players uh, begin review bombing the game on Steam. Uh, so at least at this point, I don't believe this is an actual coordinated effort by the Chinese communist party. Um, instead, this is a, a bunch of Chinese gamers, uh, who, uh, are offended or at least say they are offended by the, the, the meme and references to the meme and are, and review bomb the game on steam. Um, so it, it tanks their review scores on steam. Uh, then, uh, we don't know what happens behind the scenes, but the fact is that um, the the game their their publishers were Chinese companies. Um, so the uh, so presumably the Chinese government begins putting pressure on their publisher. Um, so on the twenty third of February, they take the game down off of Steam in China. Two days later, they take it down off of Steam worldwide and say that they are going to be. Uh, reviewing the contents of the game. They say that this element that was in the game was there by accident. It was a placeholder asset. They don't say where from, uh, but they say, hey, this wasn't actually meant to be in the game. We're very sorry. It was not intentional. And they take the game down from all stores worldwide, saying they're going to review all of the assets in the game to make sure that nothing else uh, offensive remains in the game. It's wild. Let's see, uh, July 2019, so months later, um, Without announcing why, China revoked the business license from IndieVent, their publisher, which is the, the Chinese company that was their, their publisher, revoked their business license, which means that that company went out of business over this. Um, 
And Red Candle, at the same time, released an apology letter saying that they did not plan to release the game again, ever. <laughs> um, so, you know, this this was at the time I was I was following the story really closely because I really wanted to play this game. I'd missed my opportunity to buy it on Steam. At this point, my only option if I wanted to play this game was to pirate it, which I looked around and found options if I wanted to do that. But the, the fact was, like, I really wanted to play it for the show. And right. the reason that we didn't cover it during that intervening period was like, I'm not going to come on the show and say, hey, we're covering this game that you can only find by yeah. going on shady torrent sites and downloading it. <laughs> That's what retro game podcasts do not us right <laughs> no i just i didn't feel right about like first of all i didn't feel right about you know telling people to go pirate the game when i did think that the de- developers were deserve support and were clearly like suffering essentially um but i also didn't feel like it really made sense to spend a lot of time doing an episode on a game that people couldn't play without putting in a lot of weird effort right 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 um so question for you before you get too much further was the reference to Winnie the Pooh, actually that? Or was it like you could interpret it as a reference to the Winnie the Pooh meme? Do you know? So from what I understand, it was a single art asset. It was like one of these little talismans that you saw a bunch of in the game. And it had four Chinese characters on the edges of it. And they were, or they did say, Xi Jinping Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> okay, in, so <laughs> or at least it. that's what I read. I don't read yeah. Chinese, obviously, so I can't look at the thing and tell you this for sure. But from what I understand, it was there on the piece. That's of pretty page. direct, though. Xi not, Jinping, yeah. Winnie the Pooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Now, I mean, my personal perspective would be big fucking whoop. That's, yeah. You know, right. No big big deal. Uh, and anybody getting offended, quote unquote, by that, or or I don't know what like simping for the their you know their <laughs> you know chinese communist party in order to like i don't right and i i don't want i've always wanted to become an enemy of the ccp and uh oh like a, like a on on the books enemy of the state of ccp and i think this episode is our best shot so you dig in keep going on your opinion look, look i personally do not have anything specifically against China as a country, Chinese people. Sure. I'm very skeptical, specifically around uh, issues of free speech right. of the entire free speech side of things in in China. And yes. uh, you know, you just have to look at the the way they run their internet over there and say, like, this is this is a problem. Maybe there's many wonderful things about Chinese communism. Maybe there are. I wouldn't know. I don't live there. Um, but I can look at this situation and say this is fucked up. Yes, agree, a hundred percent. So, uh, anyway, the reason that we're covering this game today is that over the couple of years since its release, um, there have been a couple of efforts to get this game available again. Um, the most notable that I thought was really interesting from a from a like business standpoint was that in December of 2020, last year, um, Red Candle and Gog. Go, you know, GOG, good old games, the the um, the game publisher or you know site that is uh, owned by CD Projekt Red, um, announced co co announced that they would be bringing this game back to the public, and they put out tweets and they put up a store page for it on GOG, and like five hours or less later, GOG puts up a, a, a message on their Twitter saying that they would not be releasing this game after all God. because they 
Uh, they said, after receiving many messages from gamers, we have decided. Oh, yeah. To, gamers. So, yeah, it was gamers. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lots of messages from gamers. Gamers um, did so that. So this is what I think is, was really like sad to me about this was like that this game became radioactive, not because uh, not because there was anything about it that would offend any reasonable person, but because well, 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 no, hold on. Rod. Hold on. There's plenty of content in this game that would have <laughs> <laughs> this game is fucked up, but not okay. <laughs> not, but for, not in the way. Not in the not way. In the way that, not in the way. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, but instead, it became it became a political lightning rod because all of the major platform holders have big stakes in China, and they saw what happened to Indievent and uh, GOG does not want what happened to Indievent to happen to them. They don't want to get banned from the marketplace in China. They want to, there's a really, yeah, there's they don't want billion, to get banned there. It's all yeah. these companies are doing this all over the world is placating the uh, CCP because there's a billion people and they want to be able to sell whatever it is that they're selling to all of those people. Yeah. Um, finally, the reason that we're playing this game today is that in March of this year, uh, Red Candle Games uh, finally decided to or found a way to or whatever um, start selling the game direct to consumer themselves on their website. And as soon as I heard this, th- this was available, I immediately went and downloaded this thing. I was like, I, I got to get this before something else bad happens to it. But the game has been available since March. You can go to redcandlegames.com. And you can download this game. This game is available for Mac and PC. And in fact, the Mac version has come out since March. Like they initially just released the Windows PC version. That was the initial version that got pulled. Um, But they've updated it and released a Mac version. And uh, you can download it direct from their website and pay them directly. And I think that you should. Because I think this is a really, really good horror game. uh, And also a really good game in the sort of like uh, first-person narrative exploration atmospheric kind of thing yeah. genre if you like games like what remains of edith finch or everybody's gone to the rapture or uh gone home uh, but you want <laughs> something really spooky i was gonna say yes it is similar in that you are walking around first person and clicking on things and that's about where the similarities end as far as tone and structure from those sorts of games Hmm. Well, I would I would argue that structure it's it's actually pretty similar to a lot of those games. Um, but for for tone, maybe so. Yeah, it's definitely kind different of. in tone. Kind of. I, I I get what you're saying. I mean, yeah, you're you're just walking around, clicking on things until the story's done. If that's what you mean by structure, then yes, it's similar. But the the storytelling arc and and the storytelling devices and the way in which you process or proceed through the story is not at all the same. Those games are linear. I don't know. This yeah, game is Yeah, but I think like thinking about like think about like what remains of Edith Finch. Um I think it shares a lot with that one in particular. There this is a game that has um so you know it, it begins with the sort of just like explore this this you know five room apartment and try yeah. to glean what you can from the space. But as it begins layering things on, you know, first it starts by giving you these puzzles to interact with, you know, find and the puzzles like Nate explained like really are limited to like find an object that is in one room and, you know, put it in a different place in another room in ways that kind of make sense. You find a record yeah. in one place, take it and play it on a record player in another room. That kind yeah, of thing. And they also, they make it even easier too, because I think like 99% of interactable uh, items are 
directly useful and are like tied to the puzzle. Like you're, if, if you, if it has a little icon over it, they do like a little, a little white icon. You're either going to be able to pick it up or it's a place to put an item that you picked up from before. Now that's not exclusive. There are sometimes that there are items, but even if they're not pick up a bowl or placeable, uh, they're usually like direct guidance to the plot. So unlike a uh, like a Gone Home or something like that, where you're just picking up all sorts of random stuff and looking at it and putting it back down, like mm-hmm. if you're picking something up here, it is directly tied to like yeah, it goes into an inventory. It, yeah, it and, progresses yeah. the story. And you know when when you pick these items up and you're picking up both like objects and also just papers. There's lots of documents that you can pick up and read. Um, and so with documents, you, you there's an interface where you can go in and read them and you know read translations uh, and uh, kind of sc- scan back through them if you want to refresh your memory on something. Um, and with the objects, a lot of the times there'll be little details on them that'll you know links, there'll be you know, a note scrawled on the back of a, a family photo, that kind of thing. But the game usually rewards you sort of figuring one of these things out, like, well, what am I supposed to do with this, uh, you know, this pair of shoes? Uh, it'll reward you for those by um, not every single one, but in general, like the the reward for sort of figuring out these things is that some something reward. changes. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I just the, did the reward, reward for- in air, air quotes because <laughs> this is not. Uh, yeah, I, I got to get over it because this is a horror game. So the right. reward is awful stuff. <laughs> awful stuff happens. Well, yeah. th- like things change in the room. So you yeah. are in these spaces like, you know, you start off in the apartment in 1980. And, uh, you know, you th- there will be scenes that might play out where there's, you know, there's audio or something. There's no there's very few um, actual moving human characters in this. There's things like creepy dolls. And um, that mostly don't move when you're looking. Um, Most, but uh, when you you know you you might let's say bend over and to uh, to place this record onto the record player, it begins playing a haunting song, and you look around behind you, and something about the state of the room has changed. So um, most of the way this game is telling its story is by having creepy, uncanny things happen just out out of frame, um, and every time that you you know, move an object around, uh, something changes to reflect the the dark things that happened in this apartment. It's, it's really clever, and it's not quite a jump scare. Though there are a few uh, jump scares in this game, um, but it, it... I can think of, like, two points that were, like, felt to me like actual jump scares. So it's, yeah. it's, not, it's not like a... I was worried no. it would be more reliant on that than it was. It's not and I'm glad it's not, too. I Yeah, I'm not a fan of of jump scares as, like, a tactic. Um, and, and and this game, there's... I th- Yeah, I think I can really only think of one that is, like, dr- obviously directly a jump scare. And then there's a couple times where you turn from the direction that you were looking and, like, the new the new scene, the tableau, if you will, that was, uh, that's presented in front of you is so bizarre and so unsettling that it's like almost the same aspect as a jump scare, but like you chose to go and interact with it or look that way rather than like a jump scare where you're like, 
you're doing something else and then it interrupts you with a jump scare. This is like, I knew I was turning around to look at that room, you know, and, and so that it just feels different. And I think that's, it's more unsettling. Uh, though there is, there is again one where you turn over and they're like right in front of you is something that is <laughs> not at all what you were expecting. And I think that had a pretty similar, uh, uh, you know, outcome. Yeah, to I was, a jump I was scare. scared anyway. <laughs> it didn't have to be a jump scare, but yeah, yeah, the, the, um, the imagery I think is one of the things that I is most effective about this from a horror perspective. Like it is a story about like a family, uh, falling apart, both in terms of just like, you know, uh, interpersonal issues, for example, the, um, the wife, uh, Li Fang, uh, at, you know, they're having money troubles because the, uh, Dufang Yu's, uh, like screenwriting, uh, job, he, you know, he's, he's having a hard time selling a script. Uh, and so Li Fang wants to go back to work, uh, you know, for, uh, as a, a movie, and, as a movie star, <laughs> right. And yeah, yeah. I, I don't know anything about the uh, the movie industry in Taiwan in the 80s, but like, you know, it, it, it you know, it seems like she was quite well known and famous, or, you know, this, this, yeah. uh, this character. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it, it people are wondering, like, oh, you know, they, she's dropped out of public life, you know, she's, she's gone to become a mother. And, um, you know, when is she going to come back? Um, so she wants to return, but like, because of you know, his, uh, I know manly pride about being the, the breadwinner of the, the family. Uh, the, the father doesn't want to allow that. Uh, where was I getting to with this? It, it, it's, it's full of this, um, it's full of this imagery that is a lot of it, I think, based in sort of Taiwanese culture. Um, it, it's drawing a lot on this sort of folk religion and folk culture of Taiwan. I did a little bit of reading about this stuff because it's not an area that I was like particularly familiar with at all. And you know, the, the, um, a big part of the game is, uh, the father going to, uh, a mentor, a spiritual mentor, uh, for advice. Uh, and you know, this mentor is something of a combination of a, uh, um, like a, a fortune teller, and uh a uh I don't, a religious I, leader of mystic a, of a, you know mystic, i don't know yeah that's yeah. A, that's a good way of putting it yeah um who is like uh teaching him about a a, a goddess a fictional goddess i had to look that up but the, the goddess featured in this is called uh sigu guanyin uh is fictionals created for this but is reminiscent of a lot of sort of like uh folk religion figures in uh in taiwan um and apparently in, in Taiwan, it's it's fairly common uh, for uh, for folks to do things like, for example, consult a a fortune teller or mentor uh, when they're doing things like uh, making big decisions, like naming their children. They want to pick a, a name that will you know be uh, be fortunate for their children. They might consult right. one of these types of figures. Um, but this guy takes it to an extreme, and he is he is consulting uh, this mentor for things about their family, about their, their finances. He's giving this person a lot of money. Um, and he's consulting them about the health of their daughter, Mei Shin, who's, uh, you know, who's, uh, continually having, uh, having all sorts of symptoms, but mostly things that sound sort of like anxiety attacks or breathing issues. Um, yeah, there's a lot, there's so much to unpack here, but I think we're going to mm -hmm. save it for the spoiler break. Yes. Um, yeah. But the know, reason I was re yeah. explaining that little bit of it is that all of the imagery, the horror imagery, kind of ties back to that as a central sort of theme. So um, 
in the in the sort of faux mythology of of Siguguanian, there's this whole thing about snakes, and snake imagery is everywhere in this game. Um, there's this whole uh, uh, there, there's a lot of imagery that sort of resembles uh, the sort of uh, Taiwanese uh, folk art or religious folk art. Um, there's all these sort of things like. Um, like these strange mannequins that are posed in various ways around the, and of course, you know, they move when you're not looking creepy, creepy shit that is, is sort of resembles this various types of folk art. Um, it, so it, all of the, all of the imagery, the horror imagery ties back in various ways to either the sort of um, religious or religious fanaticism themes of this, or just generally to Taiwanese culture. So yeah. things like the, marbles and the creepy doll all sort of have a a Taiwanese flavor to them. I'm going to, this one is a little later game, but I'm going to, this is a a slight spoiler, I guess, to some of the imagery, but Reagan, I would love for you to tell me what part of Taiwanese culture uh, explains the rope lights where instead of lights, it's eyeballs that are just looking around. Looking God, around, those were so creepy. Yeah, it's, uh, those were yeah. gross. It was. Uh, I mean, the. <laughs> I mean, it. We'll we'll get to talking about the ending, but like having a bunch of eyeballs around definitely ties into yeah. some stuff that's deep in spoiler territory. Uh, yeah, uh, I will say, and this isn't necessarily like a criticism, but like kind of over creepy dolls. You know what I mean? Like, there's a creepy doll factor to this that is like all throughout it and i was like this creepy doll's not creeping me out now the mannequins and i know it's kind of all the same thing like some reason the mannequins worked for me the creepy doll like the and i know it was a representation and, and whatnot but like there's a lot of no, creepy I'm, doll I'm with you there's a lot of creepy doll work going on in this game and i was just like this this particularly is not spooking me right now i'm kind of like over creepy dolls being a you know it's like uh it's like yeah. movies where like the bad person has long hair that's in front of their eyes you know and they're gonna like crawl across the floor at you it's like i i've seen like, that yeah, enough. i've seen the ring i i've seen i don't <laughs> i don't need that anymore uh creepy dolls the same thing for me but. it is a bit of a tired trope it's yeah and it, it, the doll in particular like it looks enough like you know uh famous creepy dolls like annabelle that like it uh, yeah like which obviously came much later uh, or i think later i don't know actually i forget when that movie first came out but anyway um but that they're they're both references of a you know a trope that is older yeah. than the hills. But you're right, like that is that was probably the uh, like pretty tired imagery. But um, this game but like, is yeah, throwing those mannequins some, are ooh. <laughs> for some reason it's I know it's not that big of a difference, but it was enough of a difference where I was like I like that and not that. Um, but this game is throwing so much varied imagery at you. I mean, uh, we haven't talked about it yet, but this is a three or four hour game, right? And uh, it is changing pretty frequently. And so you're seeing a lot of different versions of spooky shit. Uh, Mm -hmm. And some of it works. Some of it doesn't. You know, I think that's going to be your mileage may vary on what spooks you. You know, I'm not a big horror fan. So like a lot of it didn't particularly spook me. But there were some like... There's this uh, um, they do a thing with the coloring of a hallway that for whatever reason, like really, I was like, oh, this is 
uncomfortable to walk through. And like, that was a, a thing that I had never seen before. And that I thought was really, really, really cool. And then the whole ending is a whole thing that we'll talk about later. That is, Oh yeah. Yeah. Is, is a mess, but wild, um, like representations of, yeah, spiritual horror, which is the thing yeah. you don't see in games. Yeah, uh, really, really, really cool. Uh, so, yeah, I think we're getting close to the end of what we can really talk about without talking about spoilers, because I do want to talk about some of the specific moments in this game, uh, yeah. especially stuff that happens a little later in the game. Um, but just to kind of, uh, you know, before we transition out of this, I, I, I really like this game. And I think it is an absolute tragedy that this did not get to see you know, like this, this is a game that would have been like an absolute natural to get ported to consoles and to see a wider audience, uh, you know, for, for, you know, streamers to, you know, play this and get spooked by it on stream, that kind of thing. Um, but it's also a really good bridge between like horror and the, the walking simulator genre like the walking simulators sometimes have this sort of horror tinge but don't really feel like horror games there aren't a lot of them there are things like maybe layers of fear which i i haven't played yet but um but like it's a natural fit like this is i think a really good one of these and by these i mean both of these horror and sort of walking sim kind of thing like a narrative exploration thing and it tells this very domestic story it does this great job of like taking a, a a really mundane domestic setting and like subverting it and and estranging it and and making it making it scary and it also like does some really interesting stuff with like editing like they'll the, it sometimes takes you out of the first person's perspective of the main character or puts you into the perspective of people like the daughter Mei Shin um i think it does a really good job of telling this really tragic story um, with horror tropes, but ultimately it's a tragic domestic story. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I, I just, I'm very sad. This didn't see more, uh, more popularity when it came out. I, I'm sad that it was, that it was such a, a tortured situation for its developers. I'm really glad to see it available now. And I, I mean, I don't think we're likely to see this hit any other platforms ever. Uh, because of the political situation around seems it. like so, they figured yeah, out yeah. you know my guess is that they figured out like the only way we can sell this is to just sell it ourselves like we're not gonna mm-hmm. get shut down by the ccp because we are an independent company and we made this game uh right but no and they're one in taiwan where they're in they taiwan. Have different laws you and know. different government um and the taiwanese government does sound like it's sort of like through a couple of statements sort of stood up for these guys it's just yeah. that they're major market their whole business model was based around doing business in in mainland china as well and uh and frankly you know if you're releasing on any gaming platform today that's the case because well you want your market you want to sell to the millions of or billion people plus that are in in china It, it is it is disappointing because you know usually controversy breeds you know press right like you know you think like you know, no, no news is bad news or whatever. Unfortunately, the controversy here is around access to the game. So it's like the one thing that really actually hinders the game. Uh, but yeah, to to your point, like, you know, like I said, like this game shouldn't have worked for me, but it did. I, I, I really did enjoy it despite some of my like, just like fundamental things that I don't really enjoy. I still enjoyed this game. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and like, what 
you were kind of just talking about, like, one thing I kept thinking about while playing this game is that, like, the primary genre for horror is movies. And that makes sense. It's a visual and you know, you're, you're sitting there and, and it's like being presented to you as visuals. Um, but like this game to me was like a, a uh, an example of like what video games can do that like other mediums cannot do the, all the things you talk about, the switching between perspectives the actual engagement in the game your your sort of self-discovery that you're going through at your own pace um, really was a unique experience and made me like the horror genre a little bit more even if i still am probably not gonna be a big horror fan like i was like this is such a such a, a feat and such an accomplishment of that genre that was like horror might be best in video games that like might be the best place to participate in horror. If you're a fan of it, uh, because of what this game accomplishes, of course it requires like four plus hours of your time and a good computer to run it, which I apparently don't have. Um, but like I, I walked away saying like, this might be where horror is really going to shine even more than movies where it already has a major, uh, market. Yeah, and I wish we saw more games like this, you know, in, in terms of horror. It, it's um, the, sort of the, the predominant horror mode is the sort of survival horror things like, yeah. you, know, the, you know, everything from Resident Evil to, um, well, you know, every, everything spawned like that. You don't see very much horror in this, in this short narrative mode. Even though Psych- like... Yeah, psychological, spiritual, um, no combat know anything where you're like other than one moment yeah there's one chase sequence in this game that we'll talk about a little bit post spoiler break and that (laughs) Ah. is like the one moment where there's actual peril where you can like you can get a screen that says like you've died or whatever and have to reload a checkpoint this game doesn't have like fear you know what i mean like you're never like i'm a well doesn't have fail states yeah I guess that's kind of like as a like Resident Evil and any other horror action game. You're afraid of the shit because it's going to kill you, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, "Oh, I don't want to die while I'm playing this video game." This game is there's none of that except for one one moment, which one sequence, you know, yeah, one sequence. It's more just sort of about the sort of creeping dread of realize of unfolding a tragic and terrifying story. It's awful, yeah, an awful, awful story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of you know this really true domestic tragedy. So yeah, so um, again, if you want to play this game, uh, you can get this game by going to redcandlegames.com. Uh, and there you will find uh, their their shop page where you can buy this game digitally. And this game is uh, $16.99. It's a DRM-free download. They have a slightly more expensive option if you want to include the original soundtrack, which does have some nice tracks, but I don't think it'd be, like, fun listening. So I, I went for just the regular, uh, <laughs> yeah, the regular old version. Yeah. Um, and uh, if you purchase the game directly from them, you know, you create an account and you can download it and install it on your Windows PC or Mac, uh, no problem. 
Um, it, uh, I, you know, I thought it was a, a nice little experience if you're not used to buying games directly from publishers, which I think in the era of steam, basically nobody is, but you can do it. It's very easy. This is one of the strengths of, uh, PCs as a gaming platform is that if somebody wants to set up their own shop, they can do that. And, uh, and, uh, so I totally recommend going and buying this game. I think it's, uh, it's a artistic masterpiece. I think it's a really, really, really good uh, one of these. And, uh, I think it, in some ways it pushes things forward, um, in terms of the, you know, horror and also first person narrative exploration slash walking simulator genres. <laughs> and, um, I know I, I, just, I hate just, just saying walking simulator. So I, I, I torture the, the, yeah, there's a lot of, Sorry. there's a lot of, a lot of additions there. Um, spoiler, uh, uh, trigger warning for like everything. If you're gonna, Oh, Oh, oh <laughs> yes. Um, trigger warnings for, for, or, or you know, just general content warnings, uh, harm to children. Um, lots of, uh, blood, gore, etc. Uh, visual on screen and implied self harm. Um, there's, Self-harm, big one. Um, uh, anything else? D- uh, domestic dispute or domestic. Yeah, or you domestic. Know. I believe some domestic abuse, although I don't domestic think abuse. it's yeah. explicit. Uh, um, uh, dismemberment. Um, yeah, I guess you already said blood and, and gore. Um, like, yeah. I, like, um, spear, like satanic you know, imagery. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or just sort of a general attitude of, um, extreme suspicion towards, uh, religious figures, especially sort of, uh, charlatan mystics and, uh, and fortune tellers and, uh, and whatnot. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much everything, but it's a, uh, it's, it's a, it's very, it's very dark. Um, both in terms of story and in terms of just, just grisly visuals occasionally. Um, although I will say that for a game that features a child, um, this game does not ever point the camera at a, an act of violence towards a child. Right. Um, it, it implies a lot of terrible things happening, but in, in most cases it, it, it shows those things only in metaphor. Um, so uh, I, I kind of appreciated that. There are moments where you think it's about to put something on screen that you've been dreading, and instead <gasps> it finds another way to horrify you. You and I both have young daughters, and I was like, "Why did we yeah. pick this game? This is <laughs> <laughs> this is so <laughs> this is so yeah. bad. I hate I, okay. I I I hate <laughs> I hate this game. I mean, I it's great." <gasps> But I hate this game. <laughs> I hear you, Nate. I hear you. Um, so uh, I mentioned where you can pick this game up. Um, it, and uh, we are about to go to our spoiler break. So we'll do our admin now. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. I'm Reagan Kelly. You can find me on the internet at w, or bleh, at on Twitter at Reagan K, R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. And you can find the show on the internet at www.theshortgame.net. Thank you for joining us here. You can also find us on all the podcast platforms. Leave us a review. We love that. Uh, you can uh, also find us on Patreon, of course. Uh, Patreon is how people support the show. And uh, uh, we really, really appreciate our patrons. If you'd like to, you can find us at patreon.com slash the short game. Uh, and uh, for even just a dollar a month, we give you immediate access to our Discord, which is where we talk about the show. And we'll be uh, chit-chatting about this and IF Comp, which we're continuing to cover throughout the rest of the uh, the month and into next. Um, and 
uh, if you come in at the five dollar level, then you get some stickers. Isn't that exciting? Wow! Uh, and uh, <laughs> yes, well, they are very nice stickers. They are very nice. Uh, and yeah. we, and also, of course, if you are one of those supporters, you get our undying love and affection. We really love our supporters, and especially our five dollar a month supporters. Uh, and Nate, where can people find you if they wish to? Hosting a group therapy channel on the Discord, and uh, for anyone who plays this game, and uh, on Twitter at NateSTL. And uh, listeners, thank you for sticking around. And here we are. This is your spoiler break. <sighs> All right. How do what? What do you want to? What do you want to talk about? You're the horror guy. All right. What do you want to talk about well, here? Well, so I, I think you know. On one level, I think it'd be nice to talk about some of the like more effective or scary bits. But so because you're playing as the main character, Du Feng Yu, the the father, and because he is the fucked up, he's the bad guy of so much he, of this. Yeah, by far. I thought it was obvious pretty early, but they obscure it a little bit. At the they, beginning. they do. They they make some efforts, I think, to make you think that the mother is uh, responsible. I think the, the biggest is that you keep seeing sort of, quote unquote, ghosts of the mother around. So I keep thinking like, oh, and, and they're scary ghosts, you know. So I keep thinking that like, oh, the mother is going to do something horrible or have something horrible done to her. And yeah. neither was the case. Uh, the ultimate tragedy is that, um, you know, that she leaves him and. Uh, in order to go back to her career because basically he's ruining their lives by, uh, by giving all of his money to this charlatan and uh, the charlatan uh, tells him to do increasingly horrifying things to his daughter uh, culminating in him uh, believing that her soul is that her, her symptoms of her anxiety attacks um, are her, uh, her soul being somehow trapped and he has to free it by doing a horrifying ritual that involves locking her, submerging her in the bathroom in wine and snake blood and locking her in there for seven days while he goes and does some horrifying ritual that involves self mutilation. Yeah. Um, Which, you know, nothing, you know, long day at work, you know, you come home or well, work from home. So stand up from my desk, do a little circle, sit back down at my desk to play my video games. Nothing more that I want to do than than a, a graphic uh, visual of a man ripping his own tongue out with like a like a hooked tool. Like I loved that. Now, do you <laughs> did did I guess like and. I, you know, I, it's always a balance here for people who are listening to spoiler break, whether they play the game or not. Like, I always try to set up a little bit, you know, like if because if you haven't played the game and you're still just listening, we're jumping straight to some insanity here. Um, yeah. Like the entire back half of the game takes place in hell or some version of like this mm-hmm. or know, in Du Feng Yu's mind as he's so, being walked through the ritual by his mentor. That's how I was going to wonder is like, do you think he actually did all those self-harm things or is it all just in his mind and like... No, I'm pretty sure he ripped out his own eyeballs or at least one of them. Pretty sure he yeah, did that. Yeah, because of, 
because of all the eyeballs everywhere in the in yeah the game. Yeah. yeah I'm pretty sure that happened yeah. um you know and he's he's like you know trying to uh to uh sacrifice to uh Sigu Guanyin in order to get them to intercede with his daughter or whatever yeah I guess let's take a step back so the so the daughter is we see medical evidence that she does not have any sort of yeah, f- yeah. physical she, problems, right? Yeah, we have that whole moment where he gets the um the the thing from the doctor saying that they, there's nothing physically wrong with her and she should see a psychiatrist. Right. And he flips out because presumably um sort of mental illness is sort of a taboo issue right. in 1980s Taiwan. Right. And he's, you know, he says my my daughter is not a psycho or what. He says not a, my daughter is not a lunatic. Uh, you know, and then, um, proceeds to get deeper and deeper in this, into this ritual that, you know, like you said, this charlatan, great word, by the way, is, uh, you know, stealing all his money for, um, but it seems to me like she's just nervous. She's just a nervous kid who is forced to do like pageant shows basically because her yeah, mom, yeah. her mom was famous. It feels very appropriate of the era, you know, that you see though, most of the video that you see in the, in the, uh, the game is the, um, her performance on, uh, some kind of singing competition, like an idol show. And, you know, where they're, where the, her singing is being scored by a panel and ultimately, in, at least in the the instance that we see, like we hear that she's been doing this a lot and and doing well. Um, but then you know the the video that we see is sort of her, I think, final performance where she uh, she you know gets scored one point lower than her competitor and uh, and you know loses the contest. And this is this is seen as like a uh, like a serious defeat. Um, yeah, and it. But the the video is like it feels very um, like really really like I could have honestly believed it was like n- actually nineteen eighties. Yeah, they did they did a great job with the the crowd the crowd shots the the broadcaster like everything just felt really real and added. Uh, you know what, you know what it made me think of and this is. Only a, a like loose comparison, but it made me think of. Have you seen Requiem for a Dream? You know the like years ago, yeah, yeah. You know the like sales call videos that are happening in the middle of it, like that intersperse mm. the whole thing. That like they just set the tone of the movie more so than actually necessarily moving the plot forward or anything like that. It it really felt like that to me, where it's like a very specific time in a very specific place and type of video. Um, and uh, we talked about it before the spoilers, but I just like that whole thing did so much lifting, I think for the, the vibe of this game. Um, and mm-hmm. I love how uh, as you unlock pieces, you see further into that episode, mm-hmm. you know, or you see like, deeper into her run as being like really, really good. Cause you see her win like a bunch and you see her doing well. And then you start to see like, Oh, she might lose this one. And then ultimately losing. Mm-hmm. And you also get the sense that, um, the dad is maybe watching these over and over and over as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably adding to his overall breakdown, you know, that leads to this 
all of the events of this game. Yeah. And and there you do get a scene uh one of the times when it breaks from the perspective of the father uh where you see her where you you're in first person perspective of her climbing up onto the stage. It's you know slightly surrealized, but like you really get a lot of her perspective uh of of like why she's doing this. You know, she wants to be like mommy uh and she wants to uh to please her father who clearly like you know, honestly loves her. Like you, there's a lot of like, it's very obvious that this dad, despite his absolute sickness in the head really loves his child. It's that's one of the, 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 the degree they go to make it clear that the daughter like loves her dad. And, and that like, he's doing this out of like a sense of love is like one of the most heartbreaking parts of this whole thing is like the daughter's going along with everything. Cause she's like, yeah, it's my daddy. She keeps saying like, I, you know, I'll do what my daddy wants. It's like, oh God, like this is awful. I hate this. <laughs> yeah. It, that, and that is, it's so sad because she so wants to please her dad. And there's, there's so many moments in this where it's like, it's obvious that like, if this guy, if this idiot would take one minute to listen to his daughter about what she actually needs like there's yeah. so many times in the game where like she says like oh you know you know I spent time with dad today and we folded the uh the paper uh flowers and I I and I uh, I didn't have trouble breathing once you know she right. if he just spent time with her in ways that were not about putting her on a stage or otherwise making demands of her feel Deal- where she feels yeah. like she has to save the family because she clearly sees her family falling apart around her. You know, if, if, you know, if she had one minute of like normal interaction with her family, then she's fine. Then these symptoms that she's having go away. Um, but he doesn't see that. And yeah. that's sort of the, the tragedy, the slow motion tragedy of it. Cause you see this stuff sort of happen. You don't really see the, the ultimate, you know, you know, something terrible is coming, but you don't, you don't quite see how badly yeah. this is going to go until the end. And he also well, could have listened to his wife who was like, I'm, famous i just need to <laughs> go just do go make some let money me just your go suck you the, idiot yeah she <sighs> says like you're you're clearly not writing what people want anymore which is harsh but fair for a writer to yeah. hear you know and she's like i am a famous actress there are jobs waiting for me let me just go work and it will be fine and he's like mm-hmm. no who will take care of the house and it's like what do you mean? Take care of the house. There's, this is you're home with your daughter you're already home all day. You're in a two bed. Like, what do you read mean? the like, poor girl her storybook and fold flowers with her, and everyone yeah, will be freaking yeah, fine. It's like so heartbreaking. Yeah, and that's the <sighs> stuff I was talking about. Like, you know, pre spoiler the like gender roles and 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 expectations around gender roles that we deal with still in the states. And like, I'm you know, it is interesting to see it portrayed. Uh, in the eighties in Taiwan and like what that looks like now, I'm interested to hear, but like, yeah, he just needed to listen to anyone other than the, the, um, uh, the mentor, the mentor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But that's part of the whole thing. You know, that's what this whole game is. Yeah. Yeah. This person was the the whole point of this game, I think is about how this, this this uh, religious figure who just like lives in, in an apartment downstairs from them 
you know, is is preying on everyone around them, including Du Feng Yu, who is so susceptible to this, so uh, yeah. vulnerable. And and his sickness ruins the lives of his entire family. Um, it's just, ugh, it's just so heartbreaking. And um, I, I thought, like, really, like, I mean, there's not much else to say about the the story here, other than that, like, it it's. I thought it was very effective. I, um, you know, I, it, it made a smooth transition for me from horror. It, you know, it had horrifying imagery right to the end, but um, especially once you get to the, to the, the points where you're really realizing, you know, the, the, the impending doom and what's actually happening here. Uh, it was just, a, it was just a heartbreaking tragedy and it was, I thought very affecting. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I love an ending scene with a girl, like a young girl, just sort of frolicking through a graveyard. You know, love that. The the heartbreaking thing about the uh, so it plays the this really I think uh, nice song at the end. You know, the, the the ending scene is her sort of walking through this sort of stylized um, afterlife. I think, and um, the the song she's singing is the song that she sang from the show i believe it's like maiden on the pier or something like that lady of the pier yeah and uh and the the final line of the song is really haunting and it's i i can't quote it now so i've forgotten the 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 specific quote and and also of course i'm just reading it in subtitles but it was something like you know if we met in another life i i would you know i'd still want to be with you or something like that it's this it's this really tragic feel of like, you know, despite everything, it, it has this sort of final message of, you know, still my daddy. Well, yeah, she's a little kid. She doesn't know, you know, she doesn't know yeah. that all of the stuff he's having her do is like nightmarish, awful, you know, yeah. she's just doing what her parents or her parent is telling her to do because her mom left, which like you should have taken the daughter with you when you left, you know, but, 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 you know, but, but probably but, couldn't, maybe couldn't, you know, you know? like, yeah, maybe scary couldn't. stuff could, that man was, was crazy. And maybe yeah. she thought she'd come back for him. Yeah. You know, I mean, who knows? Her. Who knows? I, you know, <sighs> it was like when she was, when she was leaving, uh, when she was leaving, I was like, take, take her with you, please <laughs> take her with mm-hmm. you. You know? And the, 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 let's talk about that moment. So the, the, um, the, there, there's this whole bit, where you're being chased by her, right? And and you know, I know you had some trouble with that that chase. Uh, it's not my favorite part of the game. Yeah. Um. Coming, we can come back to that. But but the thing that's really heartbreaking to me about it is that, like, you know, you you there's this whole chase sequence where you are trying to get to an elevator to go downstairs, and um, downstairs means to mentor uh, Hui or yeah, mentor Hui. Or Hugh, sorry, I'm forgetting the name. But anyway, you're you're trying to go downstairs to to meet up with your mentor. Um, but it's portrayed in the game as this terrifying chase where you're being chased by this creepy, ghostly version of your wife. Um, and you make it to the elevator. Finally, if you you know if you get out of that chase sequence, and just as the elevator doors are closing. Rather than seeing the the horrifying ghostly version of your wife, she's fallen down. She's reaching out to the elevator, and you see her normal looking face, and she's just terrified for you, for her daughter. She's just reaching out, trying to reach you before the door closes, and you go down into this, you know, 
horrifying third act of the game. And I, you know, it, what was strange about it was like, I hadn't a hundred percent put together what was happening until, until that moment. And then you see her reaching out and it's like, Oh God, something terrible is about to happen. And it yeah. wasn't the terrible thing that was about to happen was not being caught by the spooky ghost. It is whatever we're going down to the, to the, you know, to the lower floor apartment to meet. And I, I, I thought it was like super, super effective. Yeah. Yeah. Super scary. That chase sequence bullshit though. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so I guess, you know, I've been avoiding, well, let, let it out, Nate. You had some issues. Let's talk about it. Well, yeah, I, so you, you have to run through a series of doors and you, I, I, I don't, I don't, it's seemingly randomized. If it wasn't, I'm just yeah, really, be. I'm just really bad at pattern recognition. And again, so this could all be me because Reagan did not have this problem. So I, I want to preface this. I don't know, but for me, mm-hmm. I, it took me like 13 tries to get through this chase sequence. And it was driving me crazy because up until this point, you have this, like, you're always in control. Everything is like, all about imagery and sort of like a, a slow drive through the game. And I understand that the developers wanted to change the pace. That's cool. That's what they're trying to do with this is like, let's add some more traditional horror and let's add like a heartbeat moment to it. That's cool. But it just drove me crazy because I kept getting caught. And like, I don't know what it was for me where like, if I was making a wrong turn somewhere and I just was not figuring out what, why I kept making the same wrong turn, but I was trying very hard to like pay attention and figure out what I was supposed to do. And I could just not figure out what I was supposed to do. And I'm almost certain that the time I got through it, I went through considerably less doors than many of my other tries. So I don't know if there's like some sort of route you're supposed to take. And I just wasn't figuring out there's some sort of pattern you're supposed to do this. I, I don't know, but like it almost made me stop playing. And I, and I finally, like, I was like, I, I don't want to stop playing this game. This is a, this is a cool game. I was like, I'm going to stick to it. If I can play through Celeste, I can play through, <laughs> you know, this, the, the real thing that was driving me crazy is that there's a, um, before you in, instigate the chase scene, you like walk down a hallway to a door and then it starts you at the back of the hallway and then you walk mm-hmm. to the door that makes you do that every time that you get caught in the chase. And it was like, for some reason that was just the worst part to me is that I had to keep doing this like false walk forward before I could instigate the chase. It's like, just let me start at the beginning of the chase and I'll do this a thousand times until I get it right. Uh, but that little slow, because the character walks so slow, uh, and that doesn't normally matter because you're walking around in a tiny little apartment. But in this case, it it drove me crazy. So it's my least favorite part of the game. I know what they're trying to do: change the pace, make you have a little bit of fear, because that's been absent from the rest of the game. I just, I don't know. I it I didn't like it, and. Totally valid. And honestly, like, I think the game would have been better without it. Like, I, I th- keep the keep the chase sequence, but make it like basically a straight line. Like the whole I, I think that the um, mechanically what they're doing, which is there may be something slightly more than this, but I, you know, it, it's a it's a complex series of hallways with multiple doors. And when you go through a door, you may, depending on how you 
run through and what doors you go through, you may go through that same stretch of hallway again, and any doors that you previously opened are still open. And I think the idea is basically not to double back to like continue to, but, and, and that's sort of what I do is I kind of ran through it by, by feel and just sort of like tried doors and tried to avoid, you know, I didn't avoided going through any doors that I had been through before. And eventually I did it, but it did feel like too long, too complicated. I think it, this, this feeling of fear would have been served just as well by, you know, four or five of these hallway rooms with one door each just make you run through yeah. them and kind of get to the elevator. Because what they do, which I thought was clever, is that you when it when it starts, you're you're facing forward, and the like ghost wife is forward, and so my initial thought was like, all right, I gotta like deker. You know, so I like run, I go and I I like go left. And then you get this scene where she like, you know, like is like clawing over top, you you know? Yeah. You know, and it's like terrifying. It's like, oh shit. And so that moment where you realize like, oh, I need to turn around and run away. Like that was a good moment. I thought like, you don't Mm -hmm. see that in games very often where like normally it's just go forward, go forward, go forward. This like, I need to turn around and just straight up run away from this thing that Mm -hmm. was enough i don't think you needed to make it this like complicated pattern or whatever like give me a couple turns you know whatever make it where i can mess it up and get caught but like it just went too long and for me Mm -hmm. it was it was it really almost became like a roadblock in the game but um yeah so for listeners if you run into this um, like you do run a lot faster than the ghost can move. It's just about trying to avoid crossing your own path and, uh, and, you know, try it a few times and, and you will do it, but it, it is fiddly, like depending on how you go through it. You know, I, I did it on like the second try. Um, but you know, it, it's doable. It's just fiddly. Um, and I think it's worth pressing past. So, um, yeah. last thing I want to talk about was the horrifying afterlife sequence, which I thought was super interesting. Like there's this whole sequence towards the end where your mentor is via audio is like walking you through uh, a ritual where you've like tied something like a uh, like a blindfold over your eyes and you're trying to make it through the afterlife to find the soul of your daughter. Now, God knows what it is you're I mean, presumably in the real world, you're just sitting yeah, you're just sitting there on, right in this yeah. in this person's apartment while she's probably sitting there smoking her cigarette and counting her money but um she's walking you through this uh this process and you get this like fully rendered image of this like uh you know this like bizarre afterlife that's sort of like hell meets like like hades meets like yeah you know it's it's sort of very sort of um now i i am not super familiar with the sort of folk religion stuff that this is based on. I don't really know anything about their afterlives, but the the thing that was really cool to me about it was like, it does sort of feel like this like walking tour of hell. And that's always cool in games, <laughs> like getting this, you know, seeing, seeing these like spectral uh, people like suffering in like lava flows or being crushed by rocks or whatever. And the mentor in your ear constantly telling you like they're sinners, ignore them. Walk don't look on, at them. Keep, Just going. keep going. Don't, don't look, look at, at them. them. They deserve what they're, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Right. That was like super, super cool. And culminating in that, in that like weird room where you are, you know, where there's the like massive, uh, representation of, uh, you know, Siku Guanyin, uh, looking down on you as you mutilate yourself. Yeah. Like that's uh, wild that this was their, uh, that they like basically, this was their first game in unity because, all throughout this game, I was like, "Man, this game looks so good." It looks you know? amazing for and, a small team. Yeah, it, like it looks phenomenal, and and it's it's also not like they could like just go on like the Unity asset store and <laughs> yeah, like, download is- a giant fucking snake or like Ugh. a nineteen eighties apartment full of realistic shit. Like Ugh. it's all super custom. Like that's why this is it's so tragic to me. I think like this is a, a team that came off of like a a relatively simple game to I mean, you know, relatively it, it's a it, like came came off of a super successful 2D horror game and was like, let's go 3D. And they went 3D, man. They yeah. they learned to do it all and they made beautiful 3D models and beautiful textures and they really did it and then they got boned. It's like yeah. it's like such a beautiful piece of work. You know, all that said though, I think my favorite part of the game was the storybook. And maybe because mm. it was maybe because it was the change of pace um but like there's there's that scene it's like right in the middle of chapter 2. Or I guess it kind of depends on your own path how you got there, but like during chapter two, you read a storybook to your daughter and it like the book opens up and you see these characters. And it, I actually thought this would be awesome if I actually got to control this like storybook and do like a little platforming. And then that's like literally exactly what it is. Now it's incredibly light platforming is probably giving it too much credit, but you are like, you're controlling a little character while there's over the story um, narration and I just love that beat where like the daughter is drawing into the book and altering the story to like mm-hmm. make it more cute and make it more fun. There's like, Oh, she's so, she's so nice. You know, it, it, I, it was, it's probably cause it was a change of pace. And it was like the only part of the whole thing that wasn't just a nightmare end to end. Um, oh yeah. But, but it, it but, is also you where know. you like really get a sense of like, what is uh, like uh, Mation like as a child. Yeah. And she's this incredibly sweet child who, you know, just like, you know, she's, she's just a, she's just a sweet little girl and you really get her character coming through clearly there. And also yeah. that like, it's, it's a tender moment between her and her father because like, right. as she's saying things like, you know, well, why, why are the deer fighting? I, why do you think the deer are fighting? I think it's because they must've bumped into each other. Maybe they yeah. can't see very well. They need glasses. Yeah. It's like, it's this beautiful little childlike moment, but you also get a sense of like the father's love for his daughter. And, and yeah, it is this like break from the, like, relentless tragic horror of it but it's yeah it's it's beautiful yeah and it's beautifully illustrated too right it, i i it was i i thought it was such a clever and and cool t- turn in the middle of the game um yeah i really liked it so so i don't I think it's all we got to say yeah. about devotion uh devotion yeah. check it out uh, it's a little trickier to get your hands on than a uh, typical game on Steam or what have you, and it's not on consoles, but it's yeah. worth seeking out. Not really game. much more difficult than Steam. Instead of opening up Steam, you're going to redcandle.com, and you know it's like it's 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 still redcandlegames.com. Redcandle.com yeah, is something else. But yeah, <laughs> it's it's uh, easy enough. Yeah, yeah, it's very simple. So, uh, yeah, check it out. You know, as I said, not a fan of most of these genres, and I I still think this game is worth playing. 
Yeah. So. And I, on the other hand, am a big horror fan and also a, uh, a, a big fan of uh, the sort of exploration based uh, first person narrative games. Uh, and I just, I, I thought this was a incredible game. I yeah. recommend it wholeheartedly. So uh, any last thoughts before we tell the listeners to go have a happy Halloween? Uh, I hope that I can, uh, that we all sleep well tonight. <laughs> I guess you played this last week. I played this whole <laughs> game today. <laughs> so <laughs> did you, uh, what, what are you, uh, what are you dressing up as for Halloween this year? I don't have an answer for you. And that's embarrassing. I don't either. Because- now that we're, now that we're parents, it's like, uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not doing that. What are your kids doing for Halloween this year? So Lola is, um, Eliza Hamilton. Uh, and, uh, she loves Hamilton and, uh, Ruby is a bunny because she's one. <laughs> so, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. well, uh, my daughter is going to be Kiki from Kiki's delivery service because oh, that's yeah. one of her favorite movies right now. Love that. And, um, because my son is also one and doesn't care, um, he's going to be Tombo, the little boy from the same movie. So it's, there a, you go. Uh, it's a pair costume. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, well, on that, Halloween. yeah, on that, on that nice note, happy Halloween, uh, Reagan, and to all of our listeners, happy Halloween. Spooky. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs>